talking through the issues every single week and prioritizing the issues, uh, it, it forces you to address things that I, I think a lot of companies just push under the rug because it's it's something they don't want to have to deal with. And, and I, I kind of pride myself and, and I guess my company in uh, committing to a direction, but not being so dogmatic in that commitment that you're not reading the tea leaves and you're not seeing things that are obvious and evident and need to be discussed and need to get points of view. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's it's good to have focus, put the blinders on and, and you commit to something and go down the road. But, you know, it's, it's uh, the world changes. And if you're blind to it, then, you know, you're, you're, you're gonna be a victim of it too if, if it changes against you and you don't do something. So. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity, as always, to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers, really to hear and share experience their stories of both challenges and success as they've grown and scaled their business. So today I have the opportunity to speak with Mr. Andy, ah, Andy Hilliard with uh, Accelerance. So Andy, uh, first off, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking a little bit of time out. And then second, tell us a little bit more about what Accelerance is or what you got going on over there. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Um, so uh, I founded Accelerance about uh, 11 years ago, and uh, it, it focuses on helping companies uh, leverage global software engineering talent. Uh, so, as you know, we live in a world of, of distributed work now, and it's and it's a you know trend that's not going away anytime soon. Sure, people will go back to the office, but uh, our mission is that there are great there's great talent everywhere. And uh, you know, before Accelerance, before grad school, before my early career, I was a Peace Corps volunteer uh, in Costa Rica, actually. And, uh, you know, three of the goals of Peace Corps is to, um, one, is to share your culture with host country nationals and have them appreciate and understand the reality between the culture that we come from. The other thing is, is to assimilate and understand other people's culture and then to share that with, with your own uh, culture back home to give people a, a more objective view and appreciation of, of the culture you visited and lived in for two and a half to three years. And actually, the third goal was to actually do the work you were, you were sent there to do, whether it's forestry or medicine. I was in, in small business development, so I helped uh, ceramic associations and fisheries. Uh, get to market better and faster and organize their business. Um, and Accelerant sort of has the same mission. And the mission, frankly, is, is that there is great talent everywhere. Um, and uh, companies are having a hard time finding and organizing talent. As you know, you know, talent could be co-located in the metro area that you're in, but now it could be you know, in Dallas or in San Francisco or in Miami. And we have this amazing internet and, and video capability and real-time collaboration. So there's no reason to restrict yourself in, in having to find and retain talent over time, right? So uh, while talent could be in Dallas or Miami, it could also be in Costa Rica or Argentina or Vietnam or Hungary or 
or any one of the other 200 countries around the world. So we help companies devise a strategy to build a domestic and global uh, software engineering function and then to have it operate uh, collaboratively and effectively. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely obviously uh, an impact right now when we're recording this, still dealing with the last of the pandemic kind of thing, hopefully the last of it. But um, it's been years. I know I've, I've got a long background technology-wise, but it's seeing the ability to sit there and say, hey, our talent pool is not limited to the, the people in a 30 mile an hour, 30 mile radius that are willing to drive in that, okay, we can actually expand that out a lot more and honestly, potentially get better talent or better, a better fit, if nothing else that say, hey, if we're willing to work or capable to work, like you're saying remote, I can go hire somebody other side of the country and still works just fine. It's a, it's interesting, a lot of the business uh, clients and stuff I'm working with these days, you, even in the leadership team, it's like, okay, there's not, yeah, there's a central mailing address or central location address for the company, but even the leadership team is distributed across the country, kind of a thing there that they, they'll fly in and get together quarterly or something, if even that, but they're not even in the same geography these days. So we're seeing companies get a lot more distributed. And I think a lot of that's just talent, but especially the, the technology that we've got going on these days. So that's interesting. Yeah, actually, there's a lot of benefits to having a distributed uh, workforce. I mean, it, it mitigates your risk with regards to geographic uh, concentration. You know, if, if everyone's in Dallas or something and, and or Houston, you have a major hurricane and it takes everything out. I mean, there's redundancy, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it, there, there's no reason to, to constrict yourself to a, a radius uh, that people can commute. Uh, in. And, and frankly, you know, commuting is is not a very effective use of anyone's time and, and life balance. I used to say work-life balance, but it's really life balance, right? Yep. Um, and uh, people are finding it, and companies are finding it more effective, actually, that people can, can get back that commute time and the preparation time, uh, still can work effectively remotely. And remotely, again, could be the suburbs of Dallas, or it could be anywhere on the planet, really. But you have to make a commitment. I mean, the United States is a very transactional, litigious country. And, and if we think we can just transact a, um, a service uh, which requires people to collaborate and work together in real time, uh, it, it's, that's a, you know, a, a fallacy with regards to how engineering is, is accomplished. But yeah. we have the tools to do it effectively. Yeah. And it doesn't apply to every, every industry kind of thing, manufacturing, you got to have somebody there to turn the wrench on the machine kind of a thing, but especially in software, especially in technology, that's been, that's been remote for, for a long time and quite capable kind of a thing. If you can kind of bridge that, that gap between not having somebody in the, in the next cube. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about how Accelerance kind of came about. How, what, what was, what was the, the impetus for starting a new company? It looked like you've been in, you've been in technology for quite some time, obviously, but what, what was kind of the, the reason for starting Accelerance and how that come about? So uh, out, of, out of grad school in the mid nineties, I joined a company called Cognizant. Uh, they were primarily based in India and uh, they had spun out of Dun & Bradstreet. Uh, they spun out of Dun & Bradstreet in order to provide this huge demand for software services to companies around the world. Uh, and they were growing like wildfire. I, I was, I think I was employee number 700, which sounds like a lot of people, but today they're 270,000. Yeah. And within three years of, of me joining, they went from 700 to 15,000. So yes, there was a demand for software engineering. Um, 
and there's a massive built up, you know, um, um, backlog of, of demand countrywide. Um, and things, you know, obviously the company did very well. Um, but as, as companies like Cognizant grew, the, the small mid market started to, to get ignored because they could not maintain their level of growth by serving this market. At first, it was sort of a, a logo grab. You know, any client who wants services, because we're small and we can provide, you know, very, uh, you know, customized services to any size company. But then they started just ignoring it. And, and you know, in the business world, um, everyone's making priorities. Your, your best customer gets the best service. Your second best gets the second best service. And when you start falling down that, that uh, totem pole, um, then, then obviously service starts to wane. And you add on to that, that you're dealing with fully a, a world away, you know, the other side of the planet. So 13 hours difference and, and 12,000 miles and, and very uh, different cultures. And I sort of thought after having spent a few years in Costa Rica that uh, there, there was a book that came out called The World, the world is Flat. Um, and it was talking about just the, the collaboration of, of uh, global resources. And so I thought Costa Rica, nearshore, proximity, uh, time zone alignment, cultural alignment, all of these things are lacking in the, the distribution of services, at least software development services. How would people uh, you know, be attracted to a nearshore services? So I started a nearshore software development company in Costa Rica, basically went down there, found a partner who had you know, infrastructure and a few engineers, and we built it into a nearshore software development. Nice, okay. Yeah, and that's, that's where, uh, I forget which one, uh, somebody I was talking to the other way was saying, basically there's two different types of entrepreneurs out there to say the ones that are the, the Elon Musk or whatever, the, the Steve Jobs that invent, whatever they invent to change the world versus the majority of us really fit more into the category of we see a need, we see an issue and it's okay, how can we solve this one thing? And then that turns into a business there. So it sounds right. like that was more the path of saying, hey, yeah, the big company's not serving this market. I can potentially serve them better or come up with a, a solution to serve them better right there. Yeah, if, if you have a value proposition that you, that you test uh, you know, in market research against uh, your target audience and you see this, this consistent re- resonation of, of the value proposition, you think you, you have something, you know, if, yeah. if this audience is, is saying, yes, I want that, who doesn't like the thought of, you know, time zone alignment and proximity, who, who hasn't either been to Costa Rica or has a friend that's been to Costa Rica and who doesn't want to go to Costa Rica and to experience the culture is so easy, so simple. And you can also get, you know, important work done for your company. Um, and so, yeah, it, it took off from like zero to 350 software engineers within three or four years. Nice. Okay. So just from a business standpoint, what were some of the, the challenges or some of the changes that you experienced or that you experienced with the company, et cetera, trying to go from, like you said, from zero to 350, kind of a thing there, just in a, a fairly short period of time right there? Well, it wasn't all roses. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, and even though it sounds great, uh, you know, every company has its own blips. I mean, we, we were sandwiched between the the tech bubble at the beginning of the you know, century to the financial crisis and, you know, 2008, we were right in between that. And so uh, the good news is we were growing so much, I couldn't handle a lot of the business, sort of like Cognizant, you know, I couldn't handle a lot of the business coming in. We knew that we were really good at certain things like, like healthcare, 
and .NET, for example. But all of these people coming, it's like, hey, we need Java. Hey, we need you know financial services, uh, subject matter expertise, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought there is demand coming to me for this value proposition that I can't handle. How does that get monetized? Because I could just say thanks, but we can't do it like a lot of businesses do. Or they say, how can I facilitate this to a group? So I started traveling around Latin America looking for complementary, not, not competitive, but complementary uh, software development shops that were well-run, stable, had you know, really good leadership and could provide those niche areas. And then I could transact a, a sort of a brokerage you know, model in, in helping that client find a partner. That basically became accelerants over time. And we've you know, expanded from Latin America to Eastern Europe to Asia but with the same, the same idea of, of these shops have to be large enough to scale, small enough to care. Every client is somewhere between client number two and number 10 as far as importance. That way you're always getting the A-team. The, the, the service providers are solidly run. They have a track record. We measure their effectiveness and their net promoter score with clients. So, I mean, that's now the bad part was, of course, uh, we were growing so fast, we didn't keep an eye on the concentration of customers. So the financial crisis hit in 2008 and uh, lo and behold, it, it was determined that 48% of our revenue was coming from two massive clients. Oh, yeah. um, and lo and behold, everything shut down. In fact, those two clients specifically had a change of leadership, a freeze on all investment, freeze on all development, all niches, because nobody knew where this crisis was heading. Sort of like, you know, the pandemic, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Just stop. Everyone just stop. Stop spending. And we went from heavily investing in the future to being underwater in our investment, you know, massive infrastructure, massive personnel investments. And in Costa Rica, once you hire someone, it's it's hard to, you know, unload them, I guess, or, yeah. or you know, off-ramp them. Uh, so we got caught a little bit uh, on the short side. And I said, well, now's probably a good time to expand that network and to sort of diversify my investment in, in this one company. So I sold most of my shares in the company and I, I built the network, which became Accelerance. Yeah. So I know we had talked briefly before you've got some, some experience, at least with EOS and looking at the, the transparency and the numbers side. I'm assuming kind of this change or this the, the financial crisis that you were talking about probably brought about some of that and saying, hey, we got to be a little bit more transparent, a little bit more understanding of our numbers, understanding of our clients, where we go from. Because really, like you said, a lot of business owners are the same way. It's just, hey, who's the next client? I'm just going to keep going. And a lot of times you don't kind of back off to take that bigger picture to say, hey, where, where are we really sitting? Are we overly dependent upon one or two customers here? Are we are we diversified enough like that? Because honestly, they don't they don't typically know. They don't typically know the numbers at that point. So sure. what's what has that done for your your current visibility, your current pane of glass for watching the companies these days and potentially being a little bit more prepared for what we just went through right now. Well, we actually have followed EOS for the last five years. And, and the first thing you do in the first five minutes of your of your 90 meeting on, on Mondays for us is to look at the numbers. And uh, obviously the numbers are about concentration. Do not let that happen again. You know, it's, that's the old saying. It's like, you know, you make a mistake once and all. Um, but the other thing is talking through the issues every single week and prioritizing the issues. 
it, it forces you to address things that I, I think a lot of companies just push under the rug because it's, it's something they don't want to have to deal with. And, and I, I kind of pride myself and, and I guess my company in uh, committing to a direction but not being so dogmatic in that commitment that you're not reading the tea leaves and you're not seeing things that are obvious and evident and need to be discussed and need to get points of view. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's, it's good to have focus, put the blinders on and, and you commit to something and go down the road. But, you know, it's, it's uh, the world changes. And if you're yeah. blind to it, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be a victim of it too. If, if it changes against you and you don't do something. So. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the one constant. Again, we were talking about it beforehand, but it's like, just, just because you think you've got things figured out under control at this moment, every new stage of business or every stage outside of a financial recession or a pandemic or whatever is going to hit you at that point. It's like, there's, there's nothing ever, unfortunately, or, for the fun of it at that point, depending on your person or your point of view, it's like business is always changing. There's always some, some new challenge on the radar. And it's, and it's usually sooner than you think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look over the last 20 years, I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the political spectrum, on the health spectrum, on the financial spectrum, on the world spectrum. So, you know, you, you have to build in this ability to, to discuss and to keep up with times and, and to, you know, look at your competitors, look what they're doing and, and continue to benchmark yourself and differentiate yourself based on changing, changing things. Yeah, no, it's one, one of the tools I typically work with clients on it. It used to be the whole SWOT analysis, but now it's really strength, weaknesses and trends to say, okay, where are the trends going? What, what are we seeing in the market? What are we seeing in this shift where you've got that forward looking thought on a, on a regular basis, at least a quarterly basis to say, okay, where is our market going? Because again, most of the time as business owners, we can very easily get blinders on and say, okay, this is the path. This is what we're doing. And you don't see that, that outside changes or what's, what's coming down the road are until it's hits you. We committed to this as a team. We yeah. must stay the course. It's yeah. Like, not if it's evident that you shouldn't stay the course. <laughs> yeah. And it's to your point again, of, of having the transparency in the team is you don't necessarily have all the information or all the expertise as being in charge. Hopefully your team's empowered enough to say, Hey, I'm hearing this from this customer or, Hey, I'm seeing this, whatever. And, and bringing that up and bringing that to the team as a, as part of your culture right there, really more than anything. Well, so this is what's happened over the, just the last year, um, pre pandemic, pandemic and post pandemic for our company itself is, is obviously not only promoting sort of this uh, distributed flexible, you can easily ramp up and down your, your cost basis is lower with software engineering globally and stuff. So it, it that helps the client, but as far as you know, we're concerned, we were we had the direction of being a uh, very you know, hiring senior um, consultants uh, to deal with clients in their metro area and to have these deep relationships where people would be getting together and discussing how to you know create a software engineering function that you know has this global aspect and stuff. And all of a sudden, nobody could meet and relationships that were that were very dependent on sort of human tangible interaction, proximity and such uh, just went out the door. So it, it became more of a remote commodity that, you know, like this, that yeah. essentially is available to everyone. And that, you know, altered our approach to the marketplace. You know, we had to be 
we had to focus more on marketing, on branding, on things like SEO, on, on outbound remote contacts, which kind of takes, uses a different kind of, um, you know, employee profile. Uh, so we've had to sort of alter that and, and we've, we've actually diversified our investment in, in going to the marketplace so that we're not heavily dependent on one type of highly expensive singular type, type of outreach. Yeah. So that's it's sort of helped us, I think, in the long run. Now we, now we have it broken down by like what's called BDR, you know, business development, uh, more emphasis on that, more emphasis on marketing and slightly less fully, you know, investment emphasis on just that seasoned consultant. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's a constant adjustment there that just, okay, play with the levels, what's working today, not necessarily going to work tomorrow. You got to sit there and keep playing with it, keep working with it. But well, we were going to open up being in, the top of the business. Yeah. I mean, we were going to open up in 25 major metro areas and, and that's kind of like the, my, my Costa Rican example, we are heavily invested in, you know, highly high cost assets um, and, uh, you know, it's, I guess no matter how experienced you are, we all continue to learn lessons throughout our lives. Yeah. And never do we stop learning. <laughs> yeah. Learn lessons that we die. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. I work with, with high school kids a lot and they're, they're always like, okay, if I can just get to graduation or if I can just get through college, then I'm done. I, I don't have to learn anymore. It's like, yeah, no, you, you're just getting started. Yes. Here. <laughs> exactly. I, I get that you don't like biology or whatever the subject is. And no, you probably will never need to know how to do that in the future. But what they're trying to do is teach you how to learn, not some specific material. And you've got to continue doing that because especially here, it's like we're, we're, we're this far into business and there's not a day that you're not learning something new or investigating something or trying something new here and figure it out. For sure. For sure. So you've touched on it several times with going all the way back to Costa Rica and stuff, talking about culture. What does, what does culture impact with your business or for that matter, with your clients when you're trying to pair them up with software development teams, with software resources, how does, does, or how does culture kind of fit into that? Are you purely looking at, I know with software technology, okay, we're looking for Java development house. Are we looking for a, a .NET or for somebody that does mobile or whatnot? How, do, how does that mix work together for you? Yeah, so that, that's sort of our secret sauce and our, our uniqueness in the marketplace. We're not just brokers. Um, with this sort of um, analytical quantitative analysis of who the client is and what their needs are, what their hard requirements and, and sort of cultural requirements are, and matching that, you know, through, through an algorithm, you know, with our partners, um, that gets you just hypothetically on paper, on contractual paper, to a relationship. There, there's no outcome actually yet. You know, you haven't yet started working together. That's sort of where most systems, especially like SaaS platforms, you know, fall short. They, they, they do the connection, but they don't do the, the preparation and they don't do the alignment. They, they don't do the sort of the 360 feedback and constant improvement that is actually required to have the outcomes that customers actually need. Customers think they're their outcome is to find the right partner. And that's not the outcome. That's just the start. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so, yeah, we, we do combine sort of consulting uh, a layer on top of that because we're outcome based and we want the relationship to start on the right foot, given the right metrics. Right. But then we want to make sure that the client's environment and their culture is accepting and there's the right processes and the right KPIs in order to make the relationship 
work. Now, I can tell you that with the pandemic, um, we've had to go remote with a lot of things we used to essentially mandate were done in person, meaning, you know, clients would fly down to partners and they would spend time breaking bread and getting to know people on a personal basis. And that's a big thing with my company and the way we do business. And of course, that's a little bit more difficult these days. So a lot of this stuff is remote, albeit, you know, we, we are essentially mandating that these relationships, um, you know, um, come together, you know, after the, the pandemic, because it really is important in making sure that this isn't a transactional relationship, that people are committed, they have skin in the game, that they appreciate one another, they get to learn about one another, because then, then you're working for one another, you're working to make the team better, as opposed to your side better, because there is no two sides when you're, when you're working with a partner, there's only one side and one team, and you have to be yeah. committed to that, so. No, that makes sense, because a lot of the years back kind of thing experience with outsourcing it was very transactional like you said hey i need this code written or i need this project done and it was this hourly rate mm -hmm. and you'd, companies would really have challenge because all of a sudden there's no connection to that developer or that resource that hey they're going to pay me a dollar more an hour so i'm going to jump over there and leave you hanging kind of a thing it's, it's it was never any any real relationship there it was just somebody on the other side of the fence that hey i need xyz done Sure. I'll pay you this for it kind of a thing there. And it really makes a difference because if you manage, if you think about actually trying to do that for a, an in-house or local employee, it's like you'd never, hopefully never treat them that way or have that kind of non-existent culture, that non-existent relationship there. And it, it sure. really makes a tremendous amount of difference there. So that's, sure. that's interesting that you're putting in that much more layer and building that relationship, building that culture and assuring there's a, there's a fit there rather than just saying, Hey, like I said, here, here's a job, a resource for you. It's um, it's a concept that you would think would would uh, be natural, uh, but but it, it's anything but natural. It's yeah. uh, it's you know, I want a vendor. I don't want a relationship. I want them to get X work done. If I don't like it, I'm not going to pay them. I'm going to kick them out. If something happens on my side that's wrong, well, it's never my fault. It's their fault. It's always their fault. And, yeah. You know, and we're we're basically saying no. Everyone's in this together. And you're going to win, the, the partner's going to win, the whole system's going to win, the team's going to win. Yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, it's why, why wouldn't you do that? But that's kind of one of those things of, unfortunately, we just seem not to for whatever reason. So um, one other thing I want to kind of touch on, since you were talking about it earlier, um, the, the accountability or the outside, bringing in outside resources kind of a thing. You were talking about EOS and having an EOS coach at that point. What's, what's your perspective with that I'm, obviously the fact that you've got one kind of says some of that already but in terms of are you the the personality or the type even from a business standpoint that says hey we've got we can solve all the challenges in-house versus going to outside resources and kind of obviously depending on, on your your work as a company as well you're obviously working with people that are trying to bring in outside resources so what's your what's your thought on how that how you uh, how you manage those two and use it from a growth perspective to move forward. Well, I vacillate between thinking that, you know, I, I, I do it this way because I'm mature and I've learned a lot, or I do it this way because I'm really slow to learn and it's taken me this long to figure it out. But um, more so than ever, I mean, I just turned 60, uh, but more so than ever, uh, I'm a last 15 or so years, I've been a huge peer to peer uh, fan. You know, I, I started building 
um, you know, small groups, mastermind groups, they, they call it in, in some vernacular. Um, and that's basically people that are similar uh, in roles to you that, that may be different industries, but they, they have similar problems and issues and you can bounce ideas off them, get together periodically. Um, but then like, for example, EOS, you know, brings in a coach and they bring in a very simple format to help you prioritize uh, the issues and have to deal with the issues and get them off the plate and make sure you're doing the right thing at the right time. And the next thing, most important thing. And I've, I've always looked for people to just get together with. Sometimes I pay them, sometimes they're just friendly. Um, and I've been a part of uh, Vistage and I've, I've been a little stint with EO. And now I'm in this thing called Alliance of CEOs in, in Northern California. And it just allows you to get out of your own head. It allows you to put things on the table that probably everyone is dealing with and they have different perspectives. And I just, you know, I've made enough mistakes in my life as we all have to know that uh, you don't have all the answers and someone else probably does. And it's the shortest path to success is to learn from someone else's, you know, input or, or perspective that is completely different or unique to you. And it'll turn on the light bulb and it'll make you see the light and it'll get you down the right path. I'm just trying to figure out how to deal with those things, you know, faster and smarter. Yeah. Sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's a peer, but peers are live and you're, you're ideating and you're figuring things out. So. Yeah. It's to me, it's, that's almost the key more than anything to growth is that, okay, you got to get out of your own way. Cause the longer you, sit there and try to wrap your arms around everything and say, Hey, I can do all this myself. You're just strangling the company at that point, honestly. Yeah. You're just in a loop. I mean, you're, you're limited to how much you know and what your experience is. And and that's very limiting. I mean, yeah, you're one individual. Yeah. And it's, it's even still, it's like you were saying that, okay, somebody else may not have any direct tie to your industry, direct tie to your whatever, but they can say something or they can say, an idea over there, even question, okay, why, why are you doing things this way? I don't understand it. That's, I, I get it a lot of times when clients will ask me, well, do you have experience in my industry? It's like, no, but that's actually a good thing because I can sit there and ask you why in the world, help me understand why are you doing these things and cause you to sit there and kind of step back and say, well, because we've always done them that way. Why am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, having that outside influence is, is huge. And it's, yeah, to me, one of the biggest keys to, to growing and scaling right there. Yeah. So Kind of going that way, like I said, I always like to kind of wrap things up with one question to say, again, that, that kind of idea of, okay, if you knew something five years, 10 years, however many back kind of a thing that, okay, if I wish I had just done this sooner or figured this out sooner, that would have been helped me move along, lot less frustration, pain, et cetera, kind of a thing. What, does anything come to mind that way for you? Well, for me, and it's, it's come fairly late, I think it's because partly because I'm male. Uh, we, we just like to solve problems and we like to be in our own little silos. And, and if there's a problem, I, I immediately look for the duct tape, you know, but that's, yes, that's not a way to fix a problem. Right. Uh, but it's um, just being much more communicative, uh, get to know people, even in my company on, on a much more personal basis. And by personal, I mean, you know, personal, you know, get to know them, get to know what motivates them, get to know what interests them. Um, and, uh, one, that's a sign that you actually care and you're interested, but two, it gives you a lot of insight into how to get the the most out of people. And, uh, you know, I've had to do that a lot lately because there's been a lot of, um, well, disruption and change both in people's personal lives. And we don't know what's going on. 
and people need that sort of interaction and we can't actually get together. So, you know, thank God for Zoom and other video capabilities like this, but still uh, it's, it's limiting in what it can do. So you have to go out of your way to, to just, you know, spend the time. It's time well worth it. You may not think it because you may think, oh, I need to get back and do more transactions. Um, but, you know, you, you got to, the team has to come together and they, and they have to, I mean, we follow this Lencioni pyramid of trust thing there, there, it starts with trust and it start, and then it goes to candor and then it goes to a commitment of, of team decisions, regardless of whether it aligns with a single person or not. And then accountability. And that, that come, that ends in results. Uh, and, and if you just start with the trust, which means breaking down the barriers, getting to know one another, everything typically then starts to flow. Yeah. No, I like that. And that's, that's interesting. I've never actually had anybody say anything like that, but it makes perfect sense because it goes back to the, even what we were talking about before, it's not a trans transactional relationship, even within your own team. It needs to be much more of the, the personality side. You want people to know, like, and trust and, and say, Hey, we're going to work together on this kind of a thing as a team, rather than be a bunch of individual contractors, individual, just transactional parts there. Plus, plus when you disagree, uh, people cut you slack because they know that your, your heart is in the right place. Your intentions is right. You're trying to make the team better. Yeah. I say any, anyone who even smells like they're trying to elevate their own status above the team, um, you know, it's not gonna, it's, it's not gonna work in our culture. I mean, I, I talk about New England Patriots or Seattle Seahawks where they may not have the flashiest, you know, players, but their system and their commitment to teamwork I guess you can say the Tampa Bay, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, overcomes. And sure, it's nice to have a great quarterback, but the great quarterback makes everyone on the field that much better at, at that singular goal of winning the game. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting you mentioned that with, with Brady and all, because I was just talking with somebody. It's like, yeah, he's obviously elite level at the same time, but when you look at Tampa Bay in this case, they brought in a whole bunch of other pieces with him. There's an entire team that uh, – I'm out of Dallas. We've, we've fought this for years that we can have a really good quarterback and you don't have the cast around them. You're still not going to win there. It's, it's just having a great president, a great CEO, great leader there. If you can't build the right culture, if you can't build the right team there, it's, it's, you're never going to be able to move forward with it. Well, so you know, there's three pieces the way you just said, you said, you know, the right leader, the right cast, and then the, the right synergy, the right team, you know, singular purpose. That yeah. Everyone's working together and every, everyone's supporting one another. And if one person is, is slightly getting off track, you know, you, you, the team immediately goes in and, and helps them get back on the same page. And, you know, what Tampa Bay was seven and five, and then they just, you know, won out the rest of the season because they got that thing going, you know, a new yeah. leader came in one season. We shouldn't get off on the football track. <laughs> we can talk. <laughs> right no worries. But yeah, no, but it's still a, a great model. And it really says to what you're saying, you got to have all three legs of that stool. So, yeah. all right. Well, unfortunately, I think we're running out of time, but um, if people want to learn more about Accelerance or about you, where's the, the best resources for them to go find you? Well, Accelerance.com, of course, uh, or, you know, just find me on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to talk. Okay. Well, we'll get all those links down the, the show notes, make sure everybody knows there, but I appreciate the time, appreciate the expertise and thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? 
Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.